Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also a TEDx keynote speaker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all kinds of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and it's also a place to communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the program know, our goal is to bring you not only interesting guests, but entertaining guests and guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and can help us to become the best versions of ourselves through enthusiasm, positive thinking and experiencing and so on. And I think we may have outdone ourselves a bit today because we have somebody who's really a master of living life with enthusiasm. Scott Harris is a well-known skydiver, veteran, businessman, and motivational speaker, as well as an author. Scott's interactive keynote presentations and workshops are ones that make him very popular with his audience. He uses his personal journey to create an exceptional storytelling experience for his audience, and he uses the skills that he's learned from a multifaceted life experience to help entrepreneurs, managers, and leaders face their biggest fears. So if they have big fears, you can be pretty sure that all the rest of us do, and hopefully you'll be able to teach us some techniques to face those fears and come out more enthusiastic on the other side. So without further ado, Scott, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Doc. I look forward to talking to you and and your audience. Well, you've uh, had such a varied number of experiences, and I've only articulated a few of them. But I'm wondering, can you kind of start out by, I'm always interested in people's personal journeys to be who they are. And I know that you're kind of in in the second half century of life as I am, and uh, you know, I know some people look at this as a time of slowing down. At this point, it sounds like you're doing more than most people do in most areas. And so can you tell us a little bit how you got to be Scott Harris? Well, it's kind of funny. I uh, I started out, I didn't think I was very good. My parents were, uh, you know, really accomplished people. And I felt insignificant in their shadow. And I didn't really realize what I, you know, my own potential until I got a little older. I joined the army at the age of 17 in 1975 to avoid college because I knew I wasn't ready. I was a terrible student as, as a kid. All I did was read novels and avoid academia. But while I was in the army of <laughs> avoiding all this, I kind of changed. I learned a lot about myself. The army imposed a responsibility on me and I thrived upon it. And while I was in the army, I took up skydiving, which is where I learned 
how much I desperately need challenge in front of me. And from that moment on, I have done nothing but seek out new challenges all my life. And that has been an interesting path. I took up polo in my, in my late 30s as a joke. A month later, I owned three horses. Three years later, I won the National Amateur Arena Polo Championships. I'm not saying that to say how great I am. I'm saying that to say that I'm a little OCD. When I go after something, I keep going. And I still do. And to me, that's what life is about. It's about improving. It's about always looking forward to a challenge that's in front of you and overcoming that challenge. And it doesn't matter if that challenge is a, a cooking class or becoming better at pickleball or anything, as long as you've got something to that makes you charge out of bed in the morning and have something to attack, have a reason to get better and be a better person. And as long as you're on a lifelong journey of self-improvement, it's a great life. It really is. Boy, this is really fantastic. And I listeners probably can pretty well guess why I wanted you on my podcast, because certainly our goal is to always be moving forward, that passivity is really declining, so that it's it's really important to have those goals. And I'm so happy that you're in a, the guest in a position to tell us about it. So like right now, I mean, since we've established your age, since you've told us if, if we want to do the math, so you're in your mid sixties, I kind of assume that you're not sitting around watching TV most days or stuff like that. No, <laughs> no, I work do? every day. I, uh, I basically have three different jobs. I have a, a, business that I've had for a long time where I inspect commercial property for people who are buying it. I, I'm an engineer and I also uh, do things like this. And I've written two books this year. That, that, that was my pandemic projects. It was just write one book, but it turned out I wrote two completely different subject matter. And I, uh, I, and I, and I book and do uh, public speaking events I've always used public speaking as a means of promoting my other businesses. And in the last decade, I've kind of come to think that this is how I can really, really have an impact on other people's lives and help and show them how I have learned to face challenge and actually seek it out and embrace it. And in that way, perform better. I'm also the chief pilot at a parachute center near here in Portland, Oregon, PNW skydiving. And so I fly a lot, different airplanes, and I'm also still skydiving and I play a little polo now and then. And uh, my wife and I have taken up pickleball, <laughs> which is yeah, tremendous fun. Thing. That's become a big thing on the East Coast too. I, I never knew about it until recently. Well, I played a, a quite a bit of racquetball uh, when I was younger, but pickleball is just Tremendous fun. And there's not a big learning curve. You can really start and actually start playing with other people right away. It's not like golf where you have to take lessons for a year before you're not embarrassing. And, uh, and that really makes it great. And the people are great. It's really fun. But yeah. anything like that is wonderful. Anything that you're, you know, you have to work at to get better. That's what we're here for. Improvement. Yeah, and we certainly now know that you can continue to learn, get better throughout the lifespan. 
But there was something you said that uh, I, I don't want to forget. You talked about the skydiving and parachuting. One of the interesting things that I learned about you was that you actually parachuted into uh, Liz Taylor's wedding at Michael Jackson's Neverland Estate. That's a little different than playing pickleball or polo or something that, that people have done. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, that's that's a little bit of a unique experience. How did that come about? Well, I was I was actually working as a, a commercial photographer, and a friend of mine that I knew from ABC called me up 48 hours before the wedding, and said there's a big news blackout. Nobody can get in. They won't allow anybody from the press on the, on the estate except one guy from People Magazine. And that pictures would be worth a lot of money. And at the time I was, I didn't have a lot of money. I had a new baby at home and a wife and, you know, we weren't, you know, we were just start, getting started. And so uh, I thought about it. And during the, he had an idea what I was, you know, what my answer was going to be. It was a guy who knew me pretty well and I taught how to fly, but I had to think about it because I was pretty sure that you couldn't just jump into the estate and get out with film. They probably would search you <laughs> at, at the very least. So I rented a microwave transmitter and I built a little pod that I could attach to my chest to hold the transmitter that would connect to a video camera on my helmet. So when I jumped into the estate, I could send a signal to a ground crew that would record the video and pull still photographs off of that. Actually jumping into the estate was kind of a hee-haw hootenanny because there were 21 helicopters circling the estate, <laughs> trying to take pictures from a thousand feet in the air with telephoto cameras telephoto lenses on cameras. They didn't do so well because I couldn't get close enough. There were too many of them. So the story became about all of us trying to get images. And I was the biggest part of that story. I was on all the newspapers and television worldwide for a couple of weeks. It was kind of goofy, but uh, it, it pissed them off because the story wasn't about her dress or you know, the guests or anything else. It was about me jumping into the wedding. And uh, when I landed, I landed about eight feet behind the last row of seats and they had hired Israeli Mossad as security. Talk about overkill. Wow. Boy. <laughs> but uh, they tackled me and cut the lines off my parachute and hauled me off and gave me to the, the sheriff's department that was there on site. And actually, the sheriff's department rescued me from the Mossad. Those guys were pretty irritated, and they were expressing themselves violently. Anyway, they actually just released me out the front of the, the estate at the end of the night, and uh, I was greeted by quite a bit of people from the uh, from the news media, and I got a ride back from them and stuff. And I sold my story for a fair bit of money to me at the time. But I ended up doing a week in jail and a thousand dollar fine and a hundred hours of community service. They literally gave me the maximum penalty for a class C misdemeanor, even though I had no record of any kind prior to that. Apparently, the rights of the biggest citizen in this small hamlet where Michael Jackson's estate was located is a little more important than 
the average person's rights. But that's a whole different conversation. Anyway, it was actually, it's a great story and it was really kind of fun. It was an interesting moment to stand on the wheel of an airplane looking down at a circle of helicopters and jump through the center of that circle. And it, it gave me pause, but it actually made me laugh at the same time. Well, I think that certainly qualifies you to uh, be able to consult with entrepreneurs and managers and leaders about facing their their biggest fears in working with them. Presumably, their fears are a little different than how they're going to get into a, a wedding at an estate that they have to parachute into. But what do you find for those of us who are leading more normal lives are some of the, the biggest fears Again, we're talking about people who are, who people who are leading others, and theoretically should have fewer fears than than we would think they have. Well, but we all fear failure, and that's everyone's biggest fear: is to fail at something that you're trying to do. And every time that every person faces any particular challenge, be it personal or professional. They have second, they second guess themselves and they, you know, you, you, when you're facing any particular challenge, you think about what could happen, what are the repercussions of, of how this will unfold and what are the repercussions of, if I'm not good enough, if I fail at this and all of that thinking holds you back. And it doesn't, if you're, you're afraid of not being good enough at anything, it just holds you back from doing the best that you can and can actually make you fail. Part of the the similarity that I would draw between skydiving and any other particular challenge is that the thing that I learned from skydiving is, is that to really live in the moment and not to let the peripherals that surround any situation hold you back. When you put your foot in the door of an airplane to jump out, You're not thinking about your bills or problems with your kids or your rent or any of that stuff. You are 100% in the moment. You are absolutely 100% focused on what you're doing in the here and now. And that enables you to perform the very best that you can. Because let's face it, you have to. And the same thing is true of any, anybody in any you know, extreme situation. It causes you to focus all of your resources on what's in front of you. And if you practice this, if you really think about it, you know, when you're facing a challenge, it's okay to remunerate about what if and how can I avoid mistakes and failure but you reach a point where you have to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I'm done thinking about this. I'm going to do it. This is a challenge that I am going to take on. Whether it's imposed on you or chosen doesn't really matter at that point. You're going to do it. And once you draw that line in the sand, you know in your own mind that you're going to cross that line and you stop thinking about the what ifs. You stop thinking about whether or not you're good enough because it doesn't matter. All that matters is how you perform on the tasks that are in front of you. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is tremendous advice. It sounds like there's, I think all of us have this little voice inside our heads that, uh, you know, creates doubts. 
but it sounds like if we can quiet that voice, and it sounds like you've been really successful at quieting it in, in your case, once, once you get past that line or get to that line, that, that that's a real important and fairly, I hate to say simple piece of advice, but it sounds like if you can master that of quieting that voice and just like so many other things that we teach about in psychology, if we can basically be in the moment, focused, mindful of what we're doing now, we can hopefully be successful, hopefully enjoy it and uh, becomes a part of us. So that's great advice. Thank you. It is, it, it, it you know, facing challenge can become, it, it literally can become addicting. It, it has been for me. And, and I'm not saying that I think other people need to do the myriad of things that I've done or anything I've done. You don't have to jump out of an airplane to, you know, to benefit from this philosophy or this concept, but what you do have to do is practice. And so if you're facing, you know, a challenge, you literally have to make a conscious effort to say, okay, I'm not going to think about this anymore. I'm just going to work on, you know, the tasks at hand. And of course your mind is going to go back to what if this doesn't work? You know, I could lose my job or whatever detractions you have going on, but you have to recognize it when that happens and and have and exercise the self-discipline to say, no, I'm not going to think about this anymore. I have to do this. And if you can keep doing that and keep coming back around to saying no, no more, it's good practice. You can start, you can use this on little things and make a conscious effort to practice not allowing your inner voice or your, your inner detractor to hold you back. And the more you practice this, the more control you will have over it. It doesn't go away for anybody. If I, you know, if I want to do something new, I'll think about whether or not it fits into my life and if there's problems with it. But once I decide to do it, I'm done thinking about that. I'm done with the what ifs. And if you practice doing this, you will learn to control the what ifs in your own mind. And that will give you a tremendous feeling of freedom. There is nothing greater in my own life than the feeling of freedom I have when I decide that I'm going to move forward with something and I'm not going to think about it negatively anymore. The negativity is gone. I don't have time for that anymore. I'm only going to attack the problem in front of me. It's a great feeling of release. That's really great to hear that for those of us who kind of go through this agonizing every time and so on, that, that you actually, it's not a matter of just getting rid of that negative voice, but it really winds up making you feel good, that you feel free and that ultimately you reach that point where, again, it sounds like challenges are things you look forward to as opposed to things to avoid or obsess about or things of that nature. So that's that's great advice, which brings me to uh, another group that I am asking about. As we've established, both of us are older adults, for want of a better term. You know, as, as people face the second half century of life or are in it and thinking in terms of retiring, not health issues and so on, what fears and what advice do you have 
other than the, the important one of trying not to overthink the negatives. But any specific advice for, for those listeners who are, you know, dealing with, with the aging process? Well, I think it's it's just as important, if not more so, to continue to face life with enthusiasm and anticipation to look forward to learning new things and becoming better, becoming a better person. And if you, if you stop doing that, people often feel like, Oh, there's a, you know, so-and-so is a grumpy old man. And this is a cliche because it's, it's a common truth. And many people as they get older, think, well, I've done all I need to do and I can't really improve anymore. So I don't really want to learn anything new. No one wants to be around that. Why would anybody want to be around somebody that doesn't want to embrace anything new or become adaptable? In the workplace, often people feel like they don't want to employ an older person or engage with an older person in the workplace because they're stuck in what they think and they don't want to be adaptable to new environments and new situations. So it's really more important now to be adaptable and open to new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things so that all that experience and knowledge that is locked in your head can be put to good use. Because if you can't share what you have, it isn't going to serve anyone. So it's important to try to maintain a more exuberant and accepting attitude as you get older than even in your youth, because you have to deal with other people who don't know what you know, and you have to learn to adapt to them so that you can impart your experience into their universe, because we're not alone, are we? The greatest thing that you have is all that experience to share, and it's up to you to make yourself valuable to the world. The world doesn't just assume you're valuable because you got gray hair. It's so great to hear it from somebody else other than myself and to hear it so much more eloquent than I say it, but the importance of activity rather than passivity as you go through the aging process is, is so critical. And I really appreciate that. So is that the kind of stuff you've kind of written about in your books or Tell us. Yeah, I actually even have a a chapter in my book about aging and as a particular challenge to somebody in the mostly in the workforce, but in any stage, in any environment in life, what it's how this is a challenge to embrace life and make sure that your life is full of other people, not just, you know, old people sitting on a bench. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people have this idea of you know, being retired of playing golf every day or something, you know, just being in leisure activities. And to me, that kind of sounds like hell. I mean, I think playing golf every day would be great if you're trying to get better at it all the time and you were challenged by it and you were really working to play better courses and, you know, be better. But if you're just putting one foot in front of the other, that just doesn't sound like very much fun. The most fun I've ever had was by doing something better than I did it before. And I think that should be true at any age, that you need to be engaged in life and find things that challenge you so that you can feel the joy of 
getting better and doing something, you know, accomplishing things that you have not already accomplished. That's great. And we don't always hear these words in conjunction with each other, challenge and joy and getting better and stuff like that. And it's, it's just wonderful to hear it. You obviously, through your own enthusiasm and through what you're doing on a daily basis, live that. So why don't you tell us, uh, you said you wrote two books. Why don't you tell us their names? Are they published yet? Or can people get this? Well, the, the, the primary book is, uh, is a motivational book. It's called Leap Forward Over Any Obstacle. But, and that is kind of my primary message is to leap through the things that are in front of you. And uh, it's available on Amazon, both as a printed book or as an ebook. And it's also on Amazon and Audible as a, an Audible book. And it's narrated by me, the author. And I really like that particular product because, as you can hear from me talking now, I have some enthusiasm about <laughs> these things. And Wonderful. that comes across from my narration that doesn't always leap off the printed page in the same way. But I'm proud of this book, and I really do think there's some really good information in there for for people, you know, to encourage you to live your best life. And it also is, there's a lot of good information in there, and it's really kind of fun. It takes you on a journey of my whole life and the lessons I've learned in specific areas, like some of the lessons I learned skydiving and some of the lessons I learned as an engineering officer and the merchant marine and the army, lots of different experiences. <laughs> is the other one published yet or is, is uh, the other book is not finished yet. It's about uh, commercial property maintenance. Okay. I'm a maintenance guy. That's my uh, engineering stronghold. I'm sure you're enthusiastic about that too. So. I am. I'm enthusiastic about everything. I feel that I have a very blessed life to have learned at a very young age that what matters to me is to embrace challenge and, and overcome the things in front of me. And it's that journey. It's not the final goal of getting over something that's so exciting to me. It's accepting a challenge and striving forward through it. That's the most exciting thing in life to me. And it's hard to imagine that somebody can be more enthusiastic about meeting challenges. And I think it's really good for those of us who may be more hesitant, more negative, more ruminating about stuff like that to recognize that, hey, the other side of this is a whole lot better than staying stuck and agonizing and feeling negative. So Really, thank you for sharing that. Obviously, I'm sure we could go on talking for a good long time and really impart more information. We may have to do this again. Some not happy. Sure, I'll be happy to come back. They want to do it again sometime. But in the meantime, is there anything else, any other products or anything you want to promote, including, um, you know, some of the, we may have somebody interested in booking you as a motivational speaker or a trainer or something like that. How, how do people sure. reach you? Uh, I have, I have a website. It's Scott K And uh, 
And my books are available there as well as a lot of other information and videos of me talking about all of this stuff, really. There's some pretty neat stuff there just, you know, for the taking, but also information about how to contact me and how to book me or anything like that. Great, great. And all this information will be in the show notes too. So we'll have that. And uh, Scott, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of number one of you being on the show, but also just the wealth of knowledge that you've shared with us and just your presentation and enthusiasm for life has to get people to notice, hey, there's there's a better way than staying stuck. And particularly uh, for those of us who are getting up there in age to recognize, hey, there's you don't stop moving forward no matter what the age range, otherwise you decline and moving forward is a lot more. So my biggest concern at this point in my life is that I I've come to realize that for me, just to complete the specific goals that I have in front of me right now, I'm going to have to live to be 150. And so there might be a few things on that list. I don't get to. And the other side of that coin is five years from now, it's going to be a different list. (laughs) Yeah. Great, great. And the other thing, too, is uh, I don't know if in the last few years I've gotten into the habit of uh, looking, at least glancing the obituary pages, just because every once in a while I see somebody I know in there. But one of the things I've also noticed is a lot of people are living to be in the hundred plus years. So, you know, you you may be able to, to, to fill in a good part of your I expect to. I definitely expect to to still be slogging at it for quite a while. Okay, great. So maybe we'll celebrate our 100th birthdays with another podcast, but hopefully we'll meet before then and have have many opportunities to share your wisdom. Thanks again, Scott. It's been, been great. Thank you, Doc. Take care. So this has been Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Our terrific guest today, Scott Harris, all you have to do is listen and re-listen to it, and you will lead your life with enthusiasm. Again, please visit the website, the Mental Health Gym, and also, you know, if you haven't picked up your copy of Rejuvenaging, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, when you order Scott's book, you can order mine too, and be back next week when we have another really interesting guest one who leads his or her own life with enthusiasm and can help us to do the same. Until then, we're still in a pandemic, so stay safe, but stay active. Take care, and this is Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off.